Open your Bible to Matthew 18. My mind and heart is on children today. Going back in the past of my childhood and thinking about the opportunity that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of children are going to have this week. For some of them, it'll be the only chance maybe they'll ever have to go to Bible school. For many of them, it'll be the first Bible school they ever went to. From others, they're from some of the finest Christian homes that you can imagine. But they need to be encouraged in their faith because they've chosen to be a little bit different and not do all the things that their friends do. And Vacation Bible School is the greatest tool, if I could use it as a tool and use that word, to reach children for Jesus in my lifetime. Many of you came to know Jesus as a result of Vacation Bible School. So as these children come, my mind and heart has been on that. I plan to be here every minute of every night. And I will tell the children tomorrow night that if you want to talk to me or any of our leaders about what it means to have Jesus in your heart, just look for us. We're going to have on the real pretty T-shirts, and I want you to be praying for us. But here's the thing, folks. The Bible is so clear that the children are the most important thing on this earth. They're not going to be. They already are the greatest in the kingdom of God. They are the number one target of Satan. If he can get them before they're 12, he may keep them throughout all of eternity. But the church of God can rise up when parents are doing the best they can. I'm convinced that a lot of moms and a lot of dads are doing the best they can. But we need Christ who strengthens us. We can do all things like raising kids in this generation through Christ that strengthens us. But that has to happen with him getting involved, and he doesn't get involved unless he's been invited to be involved. When you bring children to Bible school, you're saying, I give you the most blessed thing that you have given me, my children. And God, would you use this week, and I want all of you to pray. Every time you have a meal, every time you have your prayer time, pray for Vacation Bible School here at Sagemont, where you live, that we will see what I'm going to talk about this morning take place. Now listen to Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. We will hear the words of Jesus. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying... Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And he said, these are the words of Jesus. Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And who shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. And then in the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 48. Luke 9 48. Jesus said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this little child in my name receives me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. 
For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. We're living in a day, folks, when we have lost sight of the most valuable commodity God has ever given to us, children. Never have children had such lack of support than now. Abortion is absolutely epidemic. I watched a person speak this week for quite a while on television, and I couldn't help but weep several times as I heard how little value a child is in the womb and how that abortion should come to be accepted by people, much less the people of God. When the Bible clearly says, you touch one of my little ones, and I'll have to deal with you. Because that little one is special to me, uniquely special, one of a kind. I have watched the news. The gorilla. I've never seen people rise up to defend gorillas more than they are to defend unborn children. Folks, it makes absolutely no sense. If you are politically into that, you have missed God's purpose a thousand miles. God established the family. God chose man and woman to become one. Man and woman to become one. That's God's plan. One man one woman. All the derivatives of that have gone in direct, in direct opposite directions from the Word of God. And yet it is becoming and is very close and we will see very soon, even in November, if this nation has made its turn to kill the unborn to accept everything man can create in his mind that is perverted by the devil. And now we as a church stand on the threshold of having opportunities this summer. Vacation Bible schools are going to be all over this country. It is, again, the greatest tool. Churches are going to be filled with children where children can understand you matter to God. You're special to God. God has a plan for your life. God wants you to be one of a kind. He doesn't want you to be a follower of anything other than him. But he wants to use you if you'll just... Follow him. Satan began the attack on the family, and he continues to attack the family. God the Father set the precedence when he created the heavens and the earth, and how he chose to bring life into the world, and how he chose to put throughout the Bible how we are to take care of the children. Children were referred to in the Scripture as the fruit of, of the womb. It was an honor to be pregnant. A child in the womb was special, very, very special, because God is fixing to bring into the world one like of which there has never, ever been. Remember when Jesus was in the temple in Luke chapter 2, verse 49? Remember how he was... Uh, disappeared from his parents and he was with the doctors and the intellectual 
And he was talking to them, and they were amazed at this boy that had yet to reach his teens. And he was, he was just fascinating to listen to by them. They were mesmerized by this young boy. Mom and daddy had lost him, didn't know where he was, and they, where he was, but they knew that they'd left him in the church. And by the way, that is a good place to leave your kids and lose them. Uh, but we do ask you to come back and pick them up as soon as you can. But they're in good hands if you do lose them. But uh, here's what Jesus said, Luke 2, 49. They said, you know, can't you just hear him? Jesus, what in the world have you been doing? Where have you been? Here's what he said. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? You say, well, that is so good. God had a plan for Jesus' life. Let me tell you something. He's got a plan for your child's life. Amen. Just as much as he did for you. Not the same plan, but he's got a plan. He's got a plan for your life, Daddy. He's got a plan for your life, Mom. God's got a plan for your life. Jesus is not unique in that, that God had a plan for him. He did have a unique plan. You remember in Matthew 3, 17, when Jesus was baptized, it says, suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am what? Well pleased. There was a lot of reasons that God was pleased with Jesus. You know why? He just went around day by day following the Father. Father, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do today? Yes. Yes. No argument. No stubbornness. No, I don't want to be like you, Dad, but rather when you've seen me, he told his friends, you've seen my father. That's what God wants. But he wants fathers that are worthy to be honored. That's the reason we have a men's ministry at Sagemont that's growing and doing well and getting stronger and many things are planned because dads, if we don't come out and get along with God and with, get with each other and iron sharpen iron, what chance do our children have? When can we turn on the news? What day without seeing these horrendous shootings? Even last night. That's our world. Because we're in darkness. But Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You remember those songs we sang in Bible school? <laughs> This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Remember that one? Yeah. All around the world, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine. It never made the top of the charts. <laughs> well, it didn't sell a million records, but it was burned in the heart and life of little children. Amen. I want my light to shine for Jesus. Yeah. I want, if I ever go by accident into a dark place, for the light to come on because I don't want to live my life in darkness. Jesus was the light of the world. Now, I got that question. How important, or let me put it this way. How would you describe America's attitude towards children? Well, what's on the college campus today? What's in the magazines today? What is the, the uh, intelligentsia thinking about children when my mother, eight brothers, and uh, you know, eight on one side, ten on the other parent. I was an only child. Beth and I had two children. Today, we have so much talk about, you know, some countries have even said you can only have one or only have two or whatever. So, so my question is, how important are children in marriage? They're very important. Whether you have one or 20, they're important. 
And God, when he gives a child, wants that child to be nurtured and brought up in the nurture of God. I hear more talk about how few rather than how many. I'm appalled at the indifference that parents have. I, I did something, I think it was four years ago. I haven't done it since. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to try it again this, this time. But about four years ago when Bible school was over, we had had about 150 boys and girls that had given their heart to Jesus. And so I wrote a personal letter to every parent of those children. You know how many responses I got back? Encouraging them to encourage their child to be baptized. And that I'd be glad to talk with a parent about it. You know how many letters I got back? Three. Two positive, one negative. Out of those letters. Now what did that say to God? It doesn't matter what it says to me. I can handle it, you know. I'm, I'm just flesh and blood. I'm just sinner saved by grace. But what does that say when a family says, I don't really care that much about my child falling up in believer's baptism. I'm not really care about my children letting their friends know they're a Christian when they're 9, 10, 11, and 12 years old. Already watching pornography on the internet. But I don't want them to know about Jesus. And I want them to wait till they better understand. You won't ever understand what God's done in your life. At least you won't by the time you're 75. I can speak for that many years. All I know is amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But every child that comes here this week knows that they're a sinner when you explain to them what sin is. Their, their, their nature is not to obey you, mom and daddy, nor you grandparents. Their nature is not to work. Their nature is to do the things that the sinful nature of man leads you to do. Talk that way, think that way, act that way. On and on we go. But Bible says you can be born again and that's going to be the emphasis of the week. We need to be taught humility by Jesus and he can teach us humility even through children. I have seen three or four children this morning that I've spoken to and they just bless me. They don't know it but they bless me a whole lot more than I bless them. They were so happy to get, be here. They were so excited about Bible school they had a friend, one of them had a friend with them that they're bringing to Bible school and they just want to bring them to church today. But you know what children do? They teach us dependency. These children are dependent upon us. We're dependent upon God. We're dependent upon God to meet our needs, for God to, to get our thoughts right. That's what it's all about. But our attitude towards Jesus is evident in our attitude towards children. If Jesus loved children and said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for theirs is the kingdom of God, when, when we hear Jesus say that, then we ought to be saying to the children, come, come. No, you don't get on my nerves. You afford me an opportunity to pass on to you the things that God has taught me. In Luke 9, 48, Jesus said, whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him, capital H, who sent me, for he who is least among you all will be the greatest. Children matter 
to God. Jesus and the Father takes a very serious, very serious attitude of how we look at children and how we treat children and how we go out of our way to provide the best for the children. One thing you will see if you show up down here this week as an observer, and again, we invite you to do so, you will see quality. You will see, you will, you will see people leading the children that have worked for months on what they're going to share, from the decorations to the Bible stories to everything that we do. Why? Because children matter to God. But I want to go back and read you that sixth verse of Matthew 18 again, which says, but whoever causes one of these little ones that believe on me to sin, it'd be better for him if a millstone were hung about his neck and he were thrown into the depths of the sea. Dad, men, be careful how you talk around the children. Be careful what you say, what you look at, what you show them, what you try to get them to do. Be careful. The Scripture warns us, you better not mess with my children. Oh, when I think back to my dear dad and and taking me from the time I was five years old, he took me hunting and fishing or he didn't go. And he lost out on a lot of hunting and fishing trips because who would want a five-year-old boy? But you know what? He didn't miss out on a lot of them because my dad hunted and fished with people like R.G. Letourneau, Letourneau Industries, like Stuart Morris of uh, Stuart Title Company, like several presidents of convention. You know what I did? Pete Runnels, American League batting champion, batted right before Ted Williams. I heard Pete Runnels give his testimony time after time after time after time sitting around a campfire. And because of that, men were getting saved. Yeah, you can use whatever you do in word or deed, just do it all to the glory of God. And whenever you get that opportunity to just get with people that are adults that have some recognition, and we have several in our church that have played Major League Baseball, they've been very successful in business, successful in law, and they have been very faithful servants to God in the church, they are going to be here. And these children are going to be able to meet them. And you know what? They're going to remember this week for the rest of their life. Let me tell you what Jesus, and I'm through. Jesus taught us, his children, to love and respect him. You hear what I said? To love and respect him. I know that I'm to love Jesus with all my heart, mind, and soul. And I know I'm to respect him. I know if God says it, that settles it. I have no argument. When I come to that point in my life and you come to the point in your life that Jesus Christ becomes real to you, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. You don't get mad at God. I hear people saying, I just got mad at God. God can put up with that, but you're sure wasting your time. I want you to know it isn't affecting him one iota. Okay, and you can, well, you can just throw a holy tantrum. You can throw a holy fit. You can say, I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to come. I'm not going to give. I'm going to get mad. And God says, go and be miserable. I've got some folks over here that want to walk with me. I've got some people that will humble themselves and just follow me. And that's who I'm going to spend my time with. And by the way, when you want to come back home, I'll welcome you. But right now, don't mess with me.
You don't want my wrath. You better be glad God has a sense of humor. If you don't think he does, go look in the mirror. <laughs> with or without the makeup. And decide, God had a sense of humor when he made me. But I must close. If you know Jesus today, you'll honor him and you will obey him. Here's what that means. If you would say, Pastor, I've been saved, but I've never been baptized. We have 169, the last list I saw, of people that have made profession of faith in Jesus and never been baptized. Why? Why? Well, I'm thinking about it. Why you got to think about it? The Bible says repent, then be baptized. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about whether the Bible's the Word of God or not? Well, I know it's the Word of God, but then why aren't you doing it? Well, my friends haven't yet. Forget the friends. You're not trying to please the friend. You're trying to please him. The Bible says, except you repent, you're going to perish. Well, no, I've, I've been baptized. Never repented, but I've been baptized. Well, you really messed up. <laughs> Don't go to two before you go to one. And baptism without Jesus is going down dry and coming up wet. And that's it. But when you come to that point, if God says, forsake all and follow me, that's what you do. When God says, use your spiritual gift, and here's where I want you to use it. I want you to be a greeter, a teacher, a choir member. I want you to be a laborer. I want you to do what I need done, and I have equipped you to do it, and I will help you do it, and I will provide a way for you to do it. Now, come on and follow me. But here's the thing. God demands obedience from his kids. How are we doing at it? How are we doing at it? From your vantage point of all the young people you're around in whatever venue it is, how many of you would say, I think the majority obeyed their parents? I don't think so. I would, I would argue that point. But you know what? As long as there's one that's disobedient, the Lord wants that one, that lost sheep, to come home. To come home. And so I want to challenge you this morning to obey God. God says, children, obey your parents. My heavenly Father, I will obey. I am to set the example spiritually. And also if my earthly father, if he were alive. But it's our heavenly Father. That's the most important of all. All the Father is saying is, please understand one more time, you're one of a kind. Please understand, my child, nobody can take your place. God had a purpose for Jesus. Nobody could take his place. His purpose was higher than any of us. We can hardly compare to that, but nobody can take your place in what God created you to be. When you find that, you're going to rejoice. How important is one child? Well, that one child is extremely important. I close with the scripture. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. This is Matthew 18, the last part of Jesus' message that I started with. How think you if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, that he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seek that which is good, uh, that which is gone astray? And if so, 
Be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more over that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Pretty much nails it down, doesn't it? It's kind of hard to say I wasn't included. Well, if you're the last one standing, you're still included. God wants you to serve him. God wants to bless you. And mom and dad, God wants to bless your children. Mom and dad, forget the swimming hole this week. Mom and dad, if you could make a little adjustment in your calendar and you would know it would affect your child for the next 60 years, 70 years, whatever God gives them, would you twist your but I've always wanted to go see this and it's the only time it's going to be coming through town and say, you know what? I'm going to make a change as mom and dad and then I'm going to pray that God will speak to my child and come into their life and that they will grow up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord to be everything that God planned for my child to be. Would we not have a celebration next Sunday? If I could get up and say to you, folks, we had more kids saved this year than ever before. We had more boys and girls that were dropped off by their parents and left with us for three hours when mom and dad picked them up. A wonderful change in their life was wrought because Jesus came into their heart.